California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. Along with me, as always, is my trusty co-host, the best and fastest researcher in the West, Camille. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, we took last week off, uh, sort of not really planning to, but, you know, things come up and stuff and family stuff and that, you know, things like that. But it's not a big deal. Like I was saying in the podcast pre-show on Instagram, if you don't tune in, I do a little podcast pre-show to tell everybody what's going on. Uh, we're going to be doing two shows this week just to make up for it because that's how much we care about our listeners is we don't want to deprive anybody of content or our podcast. So we're going to be doing two shows. This is a show that we were planning on doing last week on Thursday after the presidential debate. We wanted to comment on it. We don't usually do a lot of national stuff. But, I mean, presidential stuff is pretty important, and whoever's going to be president will be president of these United States. And as of right now, California is still part of the United States, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Um, so here we are. We're going to talk about the presidential debate. We're also going to talk about Trump on Tucker. Uh, those were both events that sort of happened at the same time. Um, and that was... Everything that was exciting happening in politics last week. Um, I'm sure somebody in the comments will be like, there was a lot of other stuff that was really exciting last week. But uh, this is the show we're doing tonight. Um, are you excited to talk about the presidential debate? Do you have any like first thoughts or initial thoughts about the debate before we really dive in? Always. Can I just say it? I watched it for entertainment pur purposes only. I. Mm -hmm. I didn't go into it thinking, wow, I can't wait to hear from these people and I'm going to learn something new and change my mind or be inspired or, and, and it was, it was entertaining. It was, I mean, you and I, and obviously we were on a group text, just sending you know, texts back and forth with our mm. sarcastic comments, which was fun. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, like you, I, I, I didn't expect much out of it. A lot of these debates are a lot of rehearsed talking points. And we saw a lot of that. It was a lot of rehearsed talking points. You could see a lot of people, um, they went into it. They knew their debate prep. They said, I'm going to zing this person with this line. I'm going to zing that person with that line. Um, I, you know, and I was thinking about it today on the way home from work as I was kind of like running through the debate. I'd watch some highlights to, to jar my memory. And we're going to watch a highlight in a little bit to jar everyone else's memory. Um, but I was thinking, about, I was like, I can't really think of any specific topic they went in depth on. And I was thinking, did they even talk about like the economy? Like I, I don't really remember them talking about the economy. Um, and maybe that's why it's interesting. We're doing this a week later to see how memorable the debate really was or how much really stuck out. And I, I think there was a couple things that stuck out to me. But out of two hours, not much really stuck out to me where I'm like, oh, you got to you remember this. You remember this back and forth. There were a couple, but it wasn't a majority of it. The rest of it was kind of fluff. So I rewatched it today because it wasn't that memorable. And then I think I sent you the transcript and I actually just like searched a few keywords from the transcript because I was curious. 
just about random things or whatever. But I, so I did rewatch the whole thing today and um, you're right. It's not that memorable. They did touch on the economy a bit. Um, I felt like the questions were again, soft. Like you, you didn't think really the, uh, you didn't think no. the UFO question was a hard hitting question for Chris Christie. It was almost insulting to Chris Christie. I mean, I'm not, I'm not his fan, but it, like at the end, like, all right, Chris, we're going to, we're going to throw you this question. Like it was almost like joke question for a joke candidate. Yeah. Oh, well, cause I mean, he's sort of a joke candidate anyway. He's not in it seriously. Um, we can talk about that more in a little bit, but there's some up there who are not running seriously. I mean, I guess you could make the argument. This was really sort of the, uh, debate to see who gets to be Donald Trump's VP. I mean, at this point, that that's kind of what it feels like outside of DeSantis, because he's not going to be a VP. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. he will be. I don't know. Maybe he changes his mind. Uh, but it does. It did really feel like it was kind of the runner-up competition, not really who's going to be president. Uh, without Donald Trump there, uh, it didn't have the same gravitas, I feel like. I feel like the entertainment value... We watched for the entertainment value, and there was definitely good entertainment. But I feel like if Trump was there, it would have been off the charts. There would have been so many clips. There would have been so many memes. It just would have been like so many people would have been talking about Trump being there. Um, but I don't know. Based on his Tucker. For you. I was curious if you would have preferred him there or not. I mean, I loved 2015 Trump, and that's the ironic thing about what he's doing now is that if it wasn't for the debates in 2015, Trump would have never won the nomination because that's where he really gained a lot of ground was he really blew away his competition in those debates. He just kind of slaughtered everybody. There is a series on YouTube called uh, can't stump the Trump. And it was like a rehash of every presidential debate. Um, And it was just hilarious, his zingers and stuff. And now he's kind of been like, now he's like, oh, I'm over debates. I don't need to do it. I'm so far ahead. Um, I mean, I guess you could see both sides of the argument that he is so far ahead. So why does he need to debate people who are just going to try and attack him? Um, But also Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I think there was a lot of frustration. And I put a poll up on Instagram and I feel like a lot of people, the general consensus was they didn't really feel like it was, how do I phrase this? It didn't seem like it was a good idea because there's stuff that the American people, whether you support him or not, or whether you still support him, there's still a lot of stuff that he still needs to answer for. Even if you are a Trump supporter, I think there's a lot of questions that he has to kind of face the public on, um, especially in regards to a lot of COVID stuff and Fauci and locking down the country and warp speed. And all. that's a lot of stuff that like Trump supporters are trying to grapple with and they need to kind of hear that from Trump and they're not really getting a straight answer from him. Um, but to answer your question, would I have loved him to be there? Absolutely. I would have loved to see him throw zingers at Chris Christie and uh, Mike Pence and uh, Asa <laughs> Hutchinson or whoever. And the, the guy who was on crutches. Um, so it's just, it would have been a, a, a much more interesting. It'll be interesting to see if he, he does it in the future. Um, what do, you, do you think he, there's a good chance he does it in the future in the next couple of coming debates? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, that's hard to say. 
because obviously he feels like he doesn't need to. So are we going to get to a point where DeSantis does start to outshine Trump with everything that all Trump's personal stuff that he's got going on? Are people yeah. going to start to abandon Trump? I feel like they're never going to abandon Trump. I feel like Trump could go commit horrible crimes and then still justify it and be like, this is why he's going to be the best president. This is you know, well, Trump 2024. Well, that's so, like his famous one where he goes like, I could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and no one would care. Like that's how popular he thought he was. Uh, he still is very true. popular. Um, uh, what do you think about Larry Elder not being there? I thought that was odd. I, I, I don't know why they uh, stopped him from going. I would have loved to see Larry Elder up on that stage. Uh, he's He's got a lot of great things to say. Um, very smart guy. Um, yeah, I think he would have he would have added a different element to it. And I think he would have had a lot of zingers and he's someone who I think is very like, he can think on his feet. Um, that's probably cause he's, he's a lawyer and he has that background of like, he's able to banter back and forth and come up with stuff on, on his feet. Um, that was weird. I, I thought that was weird that they completely banned him and his whole campaign from even going to this debate. Like, I guess they thought he was just, he's like a Trump surrogate somehow, but at the same vein, people are calling Vivek a Trump surrogate. So, but tr like Vivek was allowed in, but Larry Elder wasn't allowed in. Um, that was weird. I, but I'd like to see him on the debate stage in the future. Hopefully they change their mind. Um, it does bother me how fast like the RNC has really kind of done an about face with Trump. Like they very much were like, they were happy to make money off Trump and, you know, elevate Trump. He won, you know, they love Trump. He raised so much money for the RNC. And now because of all the stuff that's going on with him and because he skipped the debate, like RNC is like a, you know, they're just, they're over Trump. They just don't want anything to do with him. No Trump surrogates, no Nobody in his campaign can show up. Like if Trump's not going to be there, nobody can show up from his campaign. Um, it, it's almost petty. It's like very high schoolish. Like, well, you can't sit with us anymore. Like you, you don't want to be with us on debate stage. Too bad. You can't sit with us anymore. Um, so uh, the, the tenor is weird with Fox News and the RNC right now, how they're not really crazy about Trump, but he was useful when he made them a lot of money and now not so much. So I guess that's the moral of the story. Uh, all right. Do we want to watch this three minute highlight video? Because I think they only allowed three minutes on most YouTube, but it's a good way to kind of jar our memory of uh, what happened. So let's watch this three minute clip. If I can remember. Okay. Share. We're going to have comments along the way, or are we going to sit and stare at it for three minutes? Um, if you have a comment, feel free to stop it. <laughs> just, just yell pause. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. 
I mean, look, Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. We need to bring Do you believe in human behavior is causing climate change? Raise your hand if you do. Look, look we're not school children. Let's have the debate. I mean, I'm happy to take it to start. Alexander, as somebody that's handled disasters in Florida, you got to be activated. You've got to be there. You've got to be present. You I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. I'm going to pause like right there because I don't want to sound like a, a lefty. Um, but I don't know why that came off to me as slightly racist to tell an Indian guy he sounds like a computer program. Um, yeah, I, I was like, oh, that comes off kind of it, it just sat with me the wrong way where I was like, oh, you're going to say an Indian guy sounds like a computer program. I mean, I know you're not really running for president and you're just trying to attack Vivek because he's buddy buddy with Trump. Um, he's like Chris Christie is like the, the John Cox of California. Chris Christie is like that with the presidential. Like, it's just like, I'm going to run again. I'm going to run again. Like John Cox is like, oh, new governor uh, election. I'm going to run. It's totally what Chris Christie reminds me of for America. Yeah, he, he runs. This is only his second time running. Is it? Or has he run before Chris Christie? This is his first time running. Maybe it's only second. When he ran in 2016. Oh, yeah. He ran in 2016. He ended Marco Rubio's campaign. If you remember that clip. I don't remember that clip. If we have time, I'll pull that clip up. That's that's sort of like <laughs> Chris Christie's calling card. And that's probably why he's in this race. Is he's uh, he's good in debates at having these like moments where it like can completely end your campaign. And he tried to do that a couple times with Vivek. I don't think it worked because Vivek just kind of let it roll off his back and you can't really insult someone when it doesn't really affect them. Um, like he had that thing about chat GT chat GPT. And then, uh, question about that. Why do you think that they, um, I mean, I get that they're all, they're attacking each other, but they, they all seemed um, to go hard after Vivek. Are they threatened by him? I think he's a little bit of a threat. He's an unknown. I think he's an outsider. Um, I think the, the rumors are that he's positioning himself to just be in Trump's VP or just be in Trump's cab cabinet. Like he knows he has no shot of winning to be president, but if he can, be a strong, make a strong push for him to be in the cabinet or VP of Trump when he's president. I think that's basically what he's going for. And I think everybody knows that. So that's why he was kind of like the Trump. He was like the Trumpian candidate. It felt like in this, mm -hmm. this, so like 2015 Trump very much went after everybody on stage, called everybody out, had no problem saying like the, the third rail stuff that you're not supposed to say. Vivek did sort of the same thing and he kind of went after people, called them like everyone was bought and paid for. They're all super PACs. Like it's like what your super PAC told you to, to say. Um, so I think that's why everyone was going after him. Um, but he, I think. Yeah. He's probably going to win 2028 right now. Yeah. Probably what's happening. 
This is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. Can't we have a minute? What's up? Nikki Haley. Okay. She was elected governor, elected a second term, and then resigned during her second term. Mm-hmm. And then she, because she went to be the UN ambassador for Trump, because right. something about when Trump calls, you know, you answer the call. Then she resigned from that. So it's, she, she's going to bring up this whole, if you want something done, a woman has to do it. Well, then apparently, if you want it finished, it's not going to be a woman. I forgot about the and fact I'm that not, she resigned as governor. Then, I'm just saying, like, there's no like we we can't trust that she's not going to quit halfway through her presidency right so no nikki haley she made some excellent points during the night but no yeah my opinion no i i have my own thoughts about it i've never really been a fan of nikki haley uh she comes off to me as that neocon war hawk uh she's sort of out of that bush neocon cut like that's mm-hmm. who she is um and I think in this clip, they have the, 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 the little spat between her and Vivek. Um, but I think him calling her out and saying, like, she'll make a great board member of Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. Um, I was like, damn. I was like, that's a good, that was a good line. Because Nikki Haley does a very good job and she's very eloquent and she's very good at explaining why she would send American troops to war in Iran. Like that's basically how I see her is she's very eloquent and she knows how to speak and she'll do a very good job explaining why we need to go to war with everybody. Um, it's just like it's, she's, she's up there with other candidates like Chris Christie um, of all people. Chris Christie, who is super, super pro-Ukraine, we have to do whatever it takes to go to Ukraine and fight in Ukraine, Um, send as much aid if we have to send troops. You know, Chris Christie's the tough guy. He's the tough guy who will get it done. And he'll he'll be, if he was commander in chief, he'd have no hesitation to send your son and daughter to go die in a war in Ukraine for a war that really has nothing to do with us. but that's very that's how noble and wonderful Chris Christie is, is that he'll he has the guts to do that. Not his kids. His kids aren't going to go fight in Ukraine, but he has the guts to send your kids to go fight in Ukraine. And that's sort of how this debate felt. For most part, it felt like outside of, I would say, DeSantis and Vivek, a lot of people were just kind of posturing to see who could send more American troops to go die in foreign wars. And that stuff. I'm sorry, I, I never apologize for the fact that that's one stance I've always had my whole life. I'm adamantly anti-war unless it's absolutely necessary or for like defense of the country or something. Um, but all these people up there who basically are just trying to see who can send more people overseas to die always irks me. And Nikki Haley's one of them. Nikki Haley's always been a war hawk. Um, and that's always been a huge red flag for me. So... I went off on a tirade about Nikki Haley and Warhawks, but more on that later. More on that later. Minimum standard in every state in the nation that says when a baby is capable of feeling pain, an abortion cannot 
be allowed. Don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. 70% of the American people support legislation but to ban abortion of the after Senate a baby's capable not. of experience. That was actually a pretty good line. After I just bashed Nikki Haley, that was actually a pretty good line. How she broke that well, down. Her rant. She made very valid points on the pro-life rant. Yeah. Um, I think she. I think the best thing she said about it was it's a complicated issue, which I think a lot of people. Not that this is going to turn into a whole podcast about abortion, but it's more complicated, and I think she touched upon that. And I think it's the first time I've ever heard a Republican really kind of say it's a complicated issue. And approach it a little bit more gingerly than, let's say, like Mike Pence is. There, there it is. The most pressing need of the American people from a national security standpoint is our southern border. It has led to the death of 70,000 Americans because of fentanyl. When after 9-11, we had the global war on terror. And guess what? We protected the border at the same time. You can do both. But the American people mm -hmm. deserve to. Okay, I like Tim Scott, but until he just appeared in that clip, I completely forgot he was even there. Like I was in my head at the beginning. I'm like, okay, who all was there? And I'm like going from like left to right on the stage. And I completely forgot he was there until just now. Yeah, he, he was very quiet this whole time, um, which is a shame. Because... Yeah, and he's very smart and I really do like him a lot. I like Tim Scott a lot. And it's, it's a shame he didn't really get a chance to shine. Um, I just don't think he's he's kind of cut out for this debate style um, where you kind of have to shout over each other and yell at each other. Like, I, it feels like Tim Scott, to me, I don't know him personally. He seems like such a nice guy. I feel like he's just kind of waiting his turn to talk about something. And he's not like Mike Pence, who was, you know, old man yelling at clouds most of the debate because um, he was always interrupting everybody. And. My grumpy, grumpy yeah, you call him Grumpy Gramps. He was like the old man yelling at clouds where like he somehow because he was vice president. He even if you didn't really mention Mike Pence, if you mentioned something in the past, like the past administration, he was like, I, I that you brought me up. You brought me up. I get to reply. It's like nobody brought you up. Nobody. We were just talking about the past administration. Nobody brought you up, Mike Pence. You can sit down. Um. All right, let's finish it out. ...to know that the president asked me in his request that I reject or return votes unilaterally, power that no vice president in American history had ever exercised or taken. He asked me to put him over the Constitution. And uh, I chose the Constitution, and I always will. Okay, so that was the three-minute highlight. I have a question for you. Okay. This might get you in trouble if you answer. So we've talked about this before, and this is what Mike Pence did on January 6th has been so controversial, like divisive within the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. 
did he follow the Constitution? Um, I mean, that's a big legal question that a lot of constitutional scholars are trying yeah. to figure out. Um, and you are a constitutional attorney. I mean, there hasn't really been a precedent of what he could have done. Um, he could have, sure. He, I, I mean, I guess he could have rejected him. He could have said, reject him and then send them back to the state legislatures to figure it out and fix their elections. Um, okay. But I, I think there's just never been anything like that in American history. There's been no precedent to do so. Um, did he follow the Constitution? I can't think of any, you know. Yeah, the Senate has to ratify the electors. Can the vice president as the president of the Senate not ratify the electors? I guess he could. I guess he could say, I'm not going to ratify this and without his signature. Um, but I don't think there's anything in the Constitution that would then say, like, what happens if the vice president doesn't do that and says, I'm not going to ratify the votes? Is there a fail safe to how you overrule the vice president who decided not to ratify the votes? So, um, could he, it would be, it'd be an interesting if he actually did not ratify the votes, it would have been an interesting legal debate as to what could have happened and whether it went back to the state legislatures. So did he follow the constitution? I'm sure his lawyers in the VP's office probably told him he was following the constitution. Um, when you watch Trump's interview with Tucker, he said his people were telling him that he was following the constitution, that Mike Pence could have not ratified it. I mean, it's like anything with the constitution, there's two sides to it and both people are going to argue about it. So I don't know if that doesn't really answer your question though. <laughs> Do I have a solid answer of whether he did follow the constitution? That depends. Depends on, and, and anything depends on law. So, um, there's a couple comments. People are blowing up the chat right now on YouTube. Um, somebody said Nikki Haley staunchly Israel first. Uh, they said crazy how she's a war hawk, but her husband is active in the military. Uh, depends on what her husband does in the military. If her husband benefits from her being a war hawk, then why not? If he's a military contractor or something like that. Uh, Christy looked out of place up there. He did look out of place. He definitely looked out of place. Um, I saw a comment. It's really mean to say, uh, someone said it's, it's amazing. He stood up for two hours and then somebody said the real hero of that debate was the podium holding him up. Um, that's really mean. Uh, but let's talk about Chris Christie. We'll start off with him. I guess we can kind of go down the line about each presidential candidate. We can say a little bit about each one of them. What were your thoughts on Chris Christie during this whole debate? My thoughts were, um, did kind of laugh at some of his lines, but at the same time, I did feel like, why are you there? What are you doing? Go home. And it, of course, he has a right to be there. Anyone has the right to run for president, and he apparently had enough backing to get there. Um, he, his Ukraine thing, like, it almost worked on me. Like, he starts talking about, you know, the kids and everything, and I, like, I'm getting all emotional, but it, I... I feel like there's no justification for what we're doing 
in our involvement with Ukraine right now. And of course, that's what he was doing. He's like, this is why we're there and the children and the, you know, the kids that are being taken away and the, the fathers that are being murdered and then the daughters and wives are being raped by these men. And like, I'm sure there's, there's truth to that and it's horrific, but we should have never been involved in Ukraine and I'm sick of people justifying it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. A guy who's only been the governor of New Jersey who really hasn't done anything else. Um, not a lot of people up on that stage really had a lot of foreign policy experience, but he seems to be an expert on Ukraine all of a sudden. And I don't know. You understand. mentioned Mike Pence. You obviously, you just did, you, you know, Mike Pence has a right now to respond to that. Yeah, I did mention, yep. Mike Pence now wants to foreign respond to the fact that I said nobody has foreign ex <laughs> policy experience. Um, yeah, and I think his, he's only got one, uh, he's only got one goal. And, Trump brought that up in his interview with Tucker where he says something about like Christie's only there for hor one horrible reason, which is to attack me. And that's all he's there for. Like he's, he's not a great person. I think he called him a nasty person. Um, and it's, he's right. I think that's all they, they say, you know, Chris Christie, you're never going to be president, but you know what? You're good in these debates. You're good at zingers. You're good at being that, you know, that tough guy from Jersey persona, um, so why don't we, we'll throw you out there. You'll just be the attack dog on Trump and all that stuff and see if that works. I mean, I don't, I don't think Christie's really based on poll numbers. I don't think Christie's doing anything to Trump, but, um, I don't really think he, you brought up a fact check that was interesting about, uh, Christine, about him balancing the budget in New Jersey, um, uh, that you sent to me. Um, didn't he, he brag, he like balanced the budget in New Jersey. He was talking about how he, there was like. $11 billion that he was able to save them or they had a deficit of. And, and then the fact checkers were like, mm, you saved $500,000, which yeah. was apparently an improvement. I don't know. Were you there at the time? I don't know when you came to California and I don't know if you were paying attention to what was going on, like from New Jersey. Uh, I was, I actually was uh, living in New Jersey when Chris Christie was governor. Um, the only thing I really remember from he fought with the teachers unions a lot uh, because he wanted to get rid of their pension uh, and teachers unions in New Jersey are just as bad as they are here in California. I'm sure they're okay. bad all over the country, but the teachers union is just mm -hmm. as powerful in New Jersey as it is here in California. So he was always fighting with them. Um, there was that time he sat on the beach after he told everyone to go home for hurricane Sandy. That did not rub people the right way. Uh, there was the time he shut down. There was a bird story. Yeah, he was trying to screw over some political enemy he didn't like. So he shut down the Jersey side of the bridge, of the George Washington Bridge, so people couldn't get across the George Washington Bridge. People were stuck for like three, four, five hours. It was like forever. And it was like all politically motivated. And somehow he got cleared of it. Um, they didn't find any wrongdoing of it. That was an issue. So if any, I don't really remember anything Christie did that was good for New Jersey. Um, he's had those couple of scandals. Oh, the time. And then he hugged Barack Obama after Hurricane Sandy, which I think Vivek made a nice line about. Like, if you're going to compare me to Obama, then, you know, why don't you come over here and hug me and get me elected just like you did Obama? And I was like, ooh, that, that was a good one. Um, so, 
Uh, yeah, Christie's there just as an attack dog, and uh, it got old really quickly. I think once he ran out of his like attack dog lines, he didn't really have anything else to say, and he was just like, okay, when's this debate over? And now you're going to ask me a dumb question about UFOs or whatever. And he completely didn't even answer the question about UFOs. Right. So, um, okay, Mike Pence, you called him Gramp- Grumpy Grandpa. Grumpy Gramps. Grumpy Gramps, yeah. What did you think of Mike Pence? Well, he was grumpy cramps. He seemed um, slightly angry that anyone would even bring up anything he's ever done or the Trump administration and then wanted to obviously jump in and defend himself. Of course, I get that. I get wanting to defend yourself and you're there to make yourself look the best you can. But mm. um, it was his can his, his remarks to Vivek got old real fast. I mean, right off the bat, he was just putting Vivek down for his age, his inexperiences, anything. And that's why I called him Grumpy Gramps, because it was like the old man mm-hmm. trying to discipline the young man. It, it was kind of silly. And I understand that all, all of them, he has the most presidential experience, but um, I don't know. The, the attacks are entertaining. They are. But at the same time, it's like, just present your best self. Don't worry about making silly insults, which, of course, they all did that. The interesting thing about Mike Pence is that his whole resume was basically. He propped himself up on all the good things he did with the Trump administration while not giving Trump any credit for doing those things. So, like, he bragged about, like, when I was vice president, we passed one of the largest tax cuts in histories for individuals and small businesses and it spurred an economic boom um but he didn't give credit to the fact that it was trump's tax cuts so he but he took credit for it um and and if that's all his whole resume is like he's gonna brag about what happened during the trump administration but also not support trump and hate trump i don't think that's gonna get him very far and i mean it shows in the polls he's what like two percent he talked a little bit about like he when he was governor of Indiana. Um, but other than that, I think, yeah, he did go after Vivek a lot. I think Vivek got under his skin a lot. I think because Vivek kept hounding him on the idea of like, where we need your solution to the fact that career politicians have gotten us into all of this is for you, a career politician to get us out of it. And I think that was a, a, a smart line by Vivek to be like, you guys, all you guys up on stage here are all career politicians. You've got us here. And now your, your whole argument is elect us and we'll, we'll get us out of it, even though we haven't gotten us out of it in 20, 30, 40 years. Um, but yeah, he was definitely grumpy. I, I, I thought I remember Mike Pence to be a lot more jovial. What's that? I think even you said something about that on, on our text thread about him. And then I think when he was bragging about all their tax cuts and everything, then I believe it was Martha who uh, you reminded him that he signed off on bills for increasing this, the ceiling debt of like um, 1.4 trillion, or I don't remember the exact numbers, but there were three that were in the trillions. And then he said, yeah, but you got to remember, then we started dealing with COVID. And it was like, that was the last few months. What are you, Yeah. how trillions in, it, in a few months? Like, no, that doesn't justify it. Yeah. Um, somebody in the comments said, yeah, I hated how they bickered with each other. We want to know what the candidates will do for the country that did get old. 
I feel like nobody is behind Pence and he probably should just bow out. Yeah, I agree. I think he should just bow out at this point. No one, he, he's not winning the MAGA vote because he's obviously betrayed the MAGA vote. Uh, and without the MAGA vote, then what does he have? No one, I don't think anyone cared who Mike Pence was before Trump picked him. So without Trump. There are things I like about him, not for president though. Right. He does think, he does model himself to be uh the reincarnation of Ronald Reagan somehow. Um, Maybe that's why he didn't like Vivek because wasn't Vivek kind of doing the same thing? What? Being the reincarnation of Ronald Reagan? Like, yeah. I, Talking about oh, this. Yeah. I, I've made my thoughts clear about Ronald Reagan when it comes to the Republican Party. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was a long time ago, folks. Like, uh, we, we got to get past this. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it like, there's a lot of good things he did. There's a lot of bad things he did. There's bad things he did as governor of California that we're still dealing with today. This isn't a whole bash Ronald Reagan podcast, but if your party's gold standard bearer is from 40, 50 years ago, you're in trouble because if you haven't had a candidate or someone since then, who's been a, a, a standard bearer, like if you look at the Democrats and I'm sure people will probably throw up in their mouth a little bit, uh, the Democrats only have to go two administrations back to find their standard bearer right now. Mm-hmm. It's Barack Obama. Like he's the, right. he's their standard bearer. Um, yeah. So not to get off on a Ronald Reagan tire. Re- no, that's okay. Cause I want to make a point to that because it's important point is that we keep hearing and saying we need to activate Gen Z. We've got to get their vote. To, to Gen Z, Ronald Reagan is as ancient as George Washington. Yeah. I mean, he might as well be Abraham so, Lincoln. Yeah. So when you keep like, oh, well, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, like, I mean, I have my son will be old enough to vote in the next election. And yeah, to, just to him, it's like you could just put them all in the same timeline. Like those were all great men. Those were all great presidents few hundred years ago. And I know Ronald Reagan was in a few hundred years ago, but to, to my son, Gen Z, that's how it is. Yeah. And so when we keep using this and then we're saying we need the Gen Z vote, we've got to drop the Ronald Reagan talk. We've got to move on. Yeah. The, the whole, well, this is, uh, you know, this is what Ronald Reagan did and it worked out pretty well. It's like, okay, that was yeah, they're like, like Ronald Reagan reading by candlelight, you know? Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it Again, I don't want to get into the whole Ronald Reagan thing. Uh, it irks me that this is the standard bearer for Republicans as someone who hasn't been around for, I lost hasn't you. been president for 50 years. Um, and they put shrines of him up. When you go to convention, there's just shrines of Ronald Reagan everywhere. Um, almost like, you know, you could pin dollars to him if you want or something like that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Mike Pence thinks he's the reincarnate of reincarnation of Ronald Reagan, that he's the most conservative person on that stage he was grumpy he didn't like vivek um i guess the next person to talk about then is vivek was vivek standing next to him yeah vivek was the next person desantis desantis then then vivek either way we'll do let's go to desantis okay i i we also skipped over your favorite asa hutchinson but i don't think there's really much to get there (laughs) <laughs> we didn't talk about Doug at all. 
yeah, the guy from North Dakota, I, I, he, they showed him on screen. I was like, who the heck is this guy? And then I think he even forgot who he was when they showed him on screen the first time. He looked a little confused. Um, DeSantis, let's, let's talk about him. Uh, I got some thoughts about one of his big policies. Um, what are your initial thoughts about DeSantis? All right. DeSantis came out strong, but angry. Mm-hmm. My, my thoughts. Um, I think I mentioned to you, he seemed like when they would ask him a question, like he was offended that they would even ask him as though, as though like you're asking me, what is your name? And, and I'm like, it's Camille. Duh. Why do you keep asking me this? That's how his his responses just came across as that to me. Mm. And he just, um, he made some valid points, but he just seemed angry yeah. and a little self-righteous. He didn't seem too enthused to be there, is the feeling I got from DeSantis. Yeah. It didn't seem like he was excited to he be there. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was like, the only person I should be on stage with is Trump, and he's not here, so what am I doing with all you fools? Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, it did seem like, you know, if there was any time, and the the sort of no, the big criticism I heard about DeSantis, and I would agree with, was this really was his night to shine and step into the spotlight without Trump being there. Like, he could have really stepped into the spotlight and been like, okay, without Trump, I'm the candidate. I'm the guy that you're all going to mm-hmm. rally around. I'm the clear choice. I don't think he came off that way. Honestly, I think yep. he came off as a guy who's there. He didn't really say anything that hurt him. Um, but at the same time, he didn't say anything that made people walk away and go, yeah, he killed it. That's the guy I want to support. You know, like nothing stuck out. Well, there's one thing that stuck out for me. Um, DeSantis obviously wants to go to war with Mexican cartels, um, which to me was an absolutely insane idea uh, that we would send U.S. troops down to Mexico to fight cartels. Um, It sounds cool if you're making an action movie in the 80s. It does not sound cool if you... If you live in reality. Um because anyone who knows anything about Mexican cartels and the Mexican government, um, good luck trying to get the Mexican government to cooperate when more than half of them are probably bought off by the Mexican cartels uh, or scared that their head's going to end up in a gym bag if they go against the cartels. I don't think people remember that it wasn't that long ago. It might have been a year ago. There was that video of there was a face-off between the Mexican military and the Mexican cartel. And the Mexican cartel basically blew away the Mexican military. Like Mexican military said, nope, not dying for this, not worth it. So they just kind of retreated. If you think it was bad, how, let me put it this way. If you think it was rough for the U.S. military to fight terrorists in the Middle East with who had ragtag guns, armor, Humvees, all that stuff, whatever they had, they didn't even have Humvees. They just had basically like trucks with guns on the back of it. If you think it was hard for us to fight terrorists in in Iraq and Afghanistan with that, think of it the same way in Mexico. But they have billions of dollars. They're 
a hundred times better armed um, and better trained. Think about that and see how it ended up in the Middle East fighting terrorists. And I know they'll, they'll, they'll try and say Mexican cartels are terrorist organizations. So therefore we can go after those terrorist organizations. Um, good luck. It sounds like a cool idea that maybe people get behind. It would be an absolute disaster to send men and women down to Mexico to fight and die to try and beat cartels. So who's, whose money are we going to use for this new war that he wants to create? Uh, well, it'd be our money. So taxpayer money. Do we have any? No, we don't have any money. We, we literally don't have any we're, money. We're going to borrow from China? Uh, maybe Ukraine can lend us a couple billion um, at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the other, the other thing to think about when it comes to the cartels in Mexico uh, it's very much like whack-a-mole. Once you get rid of one cartel faction, another's just going to pop up. Like the power vacuum will create another person to step in and take over. Um, I was actually, if you've ever watched the show, the Narcos Mexico on Netflix, the first season they follow uh, Miguel Felix, Felix Gallardo who started basically the modern Mexican cartel. And for a long time, he reigned over Mexico. He was the boss of all the cartels in Mexico. And there's a scene at the end. I I, go watch it, but there's this scene at the end of the one season where they capture uh, this guy and they're talking to the DEI agent. He's talking to him in jail and he looks at him. I don't even know if this really happened, but it makes for a cool scene. And he looks at him and goes, you're going to miss me now that I'm gone because I was the one who held everything together. And after he was put in jail, he was proven right. Eight families popped up, warring factions, still like that today. So not to go off on a tangent really about Mexican cartels, but it was one of those ludicrous policies that you tuned in and you were like, don't think that's going to work DeSantis. It sounds cool. And it sounds tough. It'll never happen. Uh, Best thing you can do is just line up the military on the Southern border and make it as hard as possible to, for any drug dealers to get across the border. That's all we can really do. And that's all we really should do. So. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, but besides that, I don't think DeSantis really had any outstanding or memorable moments. It was cringe when he looked into the camera after he went off on some rant and then said, I'm going to, and you're fired. And it was sort of like, wait, wait, wait hold on. No, oh. hold on. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess his advisors didn't tell Sorry. him don't. To say that. Oh, I think wasn't it about Fauci. Yeah, he's like, I would but, sit that little guy and I would say, Fauci, you're fired. And it's he And maybe he was just simply one of the fact that Trump didn't do that and use his, you know, famous line, but it was just like Yeah. Uh, it came off as cringe to me. It didn't it came off as cringe. Uh I, and I think the audience reaction basically said it. Uh Vivek. Thoughts about Vivek. Okay, I think I told you this as well. 
the debate was last Wednesday. The previous Wednesday, I went to a, a luncheon in Orange County that Vivek was speaking at. It was his, his event. I went to the luncheon. So he spoke for about a half an hour. And I feel like everything he said in that half hour was exactly everything he said on stage at the debate. So I felt like within a week span, I heard just the exact same talking points. And I would even say his intro was exactly what his intro was in OC. Like this is exactly how he opened. And so I would love to hear more from him because if all he has is that half hour of talking points, then that's, that's it. That's all there is. And you know, I, I, I like him. I'm, I'm curious about him. I'm interested in him, but so far now I've only heard about a half an hour total of the same thing two times. So I'm curious to see if there's more to him than that. Uh, a lot of it comes off as reversed. Yeah. Uh, I have more to say. He's been on a couple podcasts I listened to. He he was on part of the problem, which was an hour long. He did a good interview there. And he really went in depth about like the OMB um, and how he would dismantle the deep state. Like he literally went through like step-by-step step, talked about the specific federal regulation and codes that he could use to dismantle the deep state. And then he was on Timcast, which is like two hours. Um, okay. So he has, a. I think he, he, uh, whether you agree with him or not, I agree with his, pol his policy. Um, the way he says, like, we got to stop running away from something. We got to start running towards something. And that's stuff that I've said on here is if Republicans want to win, they got to stop being contrarian candidates and they got to start giving Americans a vision of what America should be like. Um, and Vivek's message is very much that it's like, I want to run towards what it means to be an American, um, and what America right. means to the world. Um, and it seemed like a lot of people on that stage didn't have as clear a vision for the future as Vivek did. Uh, it felt very much like, hi, I'm so-and-so here's my background and you should elect me president because I was governor or because I was Senator or because I was VP. Um, I didn't see a vision for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. I also like the fact that he, uh, I also like the fact that he just called out everybody to their face, um, while he was up there that takes chutzpah, uh, basically calling everybody out for being bought and paid for, uh, super PAC money, all that stuff. I liked it. Um, I like anybody who upsets the apple cart. So Vivek is, is fun to watch. I think that's why Trump was fun to watch for a lot of people. And this kind of maybe goes into this idea of like, is it, and this could be like a whole nother podcast. <clears throat> do people love the idea of Trump the person or do they love Trump the idea? Like, do they mm -hmm. love specifically the guy, Tr Donald Trump, or do they love what Donald Trump stands for, which is he's the outsider who's coming in and overturning the apple cart and he's ruffling feathers and he's making everyone upset and he's pointing fingers at career politicians. Um, I think that's something that Americans are really identifying with now is people like that who are kind of getting in career politicians faces and being like, you did this to us, you screwed us up um, and you're not fixing it. So we have to come in and just start all over and like really get radical. 
Um, so that could be a whole nother podcast or whatever conversation, but that's basically, I think what Vivek did. Um, there are sometimes he tripped up. And I think some, he got, he, some people landed some haymakers on him, but other than that, I think he, he did really well. I think he outshone everybody. I think he handled himself in his first ever presidential debate. I mean, not a small feat to do so. Yeah. I don't mind that he's younger. That doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, I clearly bothered a lot of the candidates on stage. Uh, he came across as a little arrogant to me, but I also feel like if he hadn't been, that people would have coined him as weak. Mm. So he had to kind of come out strong for it right away. Yeah. And to your point about Trump, about the man or the idea, I think it's both. And not that this is like the official answer, but I kind of think it's both thinking about it because people love that he came in and was calling people out right off, you know, like he's, he's like, we've got to expose this, 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 and this. And everyone was like, oh my gosh. And it was amazing. It was good. But not everyone can do that. Yeah. And not everyone, like people can, but not everyone's going to do it the right way. And it's not necessarily going to be well received. Mm-hmm. And so now people are kind of trying to model that, but not everyone's going to be able to do that the way that Trump did. Yeah, I think um, it can come off as disingenuine if you try to be Trumpian and you're not Trumpian. And I think that's one thing that DeSantis is struggling with is that he, like when he, he was just governor of Florida, he came off very Trumpian, very, I'm doing my own thing. I'm populist. I'm thumbing my nose at career politicians. I'm doing what, what's best for the people. And it worked. And it seemed like he was so in touch with that. And then all of a sudden he ran for president and he seemed to become like a, I don't know, he he seemed to become like a robotic version of himself. It's almost like they, it's almost like they kidnapped the real Ron DeSantis and they replaced him with this like drone of Ron DeSantis. Like it's not the real Ron DeSantis. And it just, he comes off very robotic now. He doesn't come off as natural or anything. Maybe he's trying too hard. Uh, maybe he's, maybe it's not genuine. Um, but yeah. One quick note on Santos, cause I know we're almost done and we haven't even gotten to Tucker. Um, he did, I think it was right before his year fired comment when he kind of started accusing everyone of the lockdowns. And I wanted to remind him that he gave into pressure and locked down Florida for a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, so, he he conveniently always over glosses over that the fact that he like <laughs> like yeah he he caved to pressure in the beginning. Um, although there is one politician who never caved, um, the lovely Christy Nome of South Dakota. We all saw a commercial with her trying to fix. on stage, Bill. Why are we talking about her? She should be on that stage. Darn it, she should be on that stage. Um, she, was, she, she'd have the best line. I never locked down. She'd be like, she could just go after DeSantis and be like, I never locked down because I didn't really see the point she of it. She would just use that forever response and just be like, only can it be talking about anything. Just be like, I never locked down. Never locked down. Um, but I think she's, she's in the VP, VP sweepstakes as well. Um, all right, real quick, final thoughts on Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. And Asa. Um, well, 
like I said, Tim Scott wasn't that memorable. I do like him. He took forever to get to a point. It was kind of funny where they're like, make it quick. And then he still, <laughs> still couldn't make it quick. And so I feel like he didn't get to make his points because he wouldn't go past his time because he was all respectful about it, but couldn't get out more than two sentences. And then he, like you said, he wouldn't jump in and argue because he's like so polite and just quiet and nice and would stand there and wait for his turn. Then his turn would come. So I don't have anything memorable about, about him. Mm-hmm. Did he, do you have anything? Um, just the line about like, I'm from the South and it takes me a long time to get my answers out before he got buzzed. But that doesn't, that doesn't change. I, yeah. There's nothing that stood out for him, for me. Um, but again, he didn't do anything that hurt him. It didn't do anything that helped him step out again into the spotlight. This was really, really quick. This was the chance for a lot of candidates without Trump there to suck the air out of the room. For them to yeah. just step out and maybe nudge themselves up in polling. Um, but I don't think it really changed a lot of things. I think if the only person probably saw a bump was probably Vivek, but um, none of the other candidates I can imagine saw a bump. Even your favorite, Asa Hutchinson, I don't think he saw a bump. I like him. He seems like a I, nice guy. <laughs> seems like a nice guy, but I think I also made the comment to you guys on the text that if he's not a Baptist preacher, then he has just missed his calling in life. Like, I just feel like that is an area where he could shine. Yeah. And, uh, Nikki Haley, as I already mentioned, she's a quitter. I liked what she said about the abortion issue. She raised, um, great points. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with her, but that it ends there with her for me. Um, I think I already made my, opinion known about Nikki Haley. So I think she's a war hawk neocon. Um, she's well-spoken and she knows how to eloquently state her position. Um, and if she was president, she'd be able to eloquently state and explain to the American people why we're going to war with Iran. Um, and then she'd resign. Yeah. And then she'd probably step down. Um, she'd send us to war with Iran and then step down. Uh, somebody said, remember when Matt Walsh out of the blue just decided to diss Christy Gnome? <gasps> How dare you, Matt Walsh? Dissing Christy Gnome. She's an American hero. Um, all right. So we, we got through all the presidential candidates. Any last thoughts about that before we talk briefly about Trump on Tucker? You cut out for a second. Did I cut out for a second? Did I come back? Okay. Uh, I was going to say any last comments about uh, the presidential debate before. No. Okay. I think we've said everything. Nothing to say about Tucker. So you take it away. It's not going to be very long. Um, I know. I texted you when we were getting ready for the show. And I was like, I watched that whole debate um, or at least I listened to it while I was at work. I, you know, it was 45 minutes. It felt like it was like 15 minutes. I, I just felt like nothing was really said in the entire debate or in the entire interview. Um, he didn't seem like he had that much energy. He seemed bored. He seemed like 
resigned to just giving these answers. Um, maybe that was sort of his thing. Maybe he was like, I'm going to downplay it and just be chill in this interview. But other than that, I don't, that nothing stood out to me. Like you, you'd think if you think if you had a whole segment with Tucker to say whatever the heck you want, you could be as fiery as possible and really kind of be like, look, you have all these clowns over here debating, but check me out because I'm over here and I'm really spitting fire and I'm, I'm just, I'm so passionate and I'm the candidate and there's no reason you should even be paying attention to them. But to be honest, I, I, you know, the debate was more entertaining. The interview was not that exciting. Some of his answers, you're just like, really? Does some of your answers, like when they said, he pressed him about like Jeffrey Epstein, for example. And he said, do you think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? Uh, and then he kind of went back and forth. He was like, oh, maybe he, I think they killed him, but I also think he probably committed suicide. And it's like, wait, so what is it? Do you believe he committed suicide or do you think they, they killed him? Um, he, he was, he was kind of wishy-washy on a lot of these controversial things. Um, and then they asked if he was going to, he was worried that they were going to kill him like a la JFK. And he didn't seem really bothered by any of it. He's just like, okay, like if they, they come after me, these nasty people. Also, let's talk about water pressure. Cause that's a big thing I want to talk about is water pressure and regulations. That when you texted me that today, I'm like, what are you talking about? There was a whole part where he talked about like water pressure and like, cause he was talking about like fuel sources and gas and like fossil fuels. And then he was, oh, cause he was talking about like how you have all these regulations and, and especially in places like California where they restrict like how much water can come out of your shower and like the water pressure isn't great. And it's like, it's really horrible that we can't get good water pressure here in the United States. And, um, he went on this tirade about electric cars and how the you're happiest. Like I have really good California resident here. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm an issue with that. I mean, I have water pressure. Um, then he had a whole thing about electric cars, and he's like, "If you're the the they're uh, they're the happiest the first ten minutes when they charge up, and then after that they're freaking out because they don't know where another charger is." Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I feel like there wasn't a lot that I went away with where he concretely said, like, these are my positions. This is why I'm the candidate. I felt like he was kind of very wishy-washy and low energy. And it was, um, and you're right. That was his chance, especially because they decided to air it during, you know, at the same time as the debate, like that was his chance to shine. To, yeah. to outshine. Yeah. And it was, it was with Tucker and it was on X and basically he had, the blessing of Elon Musk of like, go ahead, say whatever you guys want to say, free speech. Um, and they didn't really get that, that spicy. Um, so I was kind of disappointed. Um, I know a lot of people watched Trump instead of the debate, but I don't know if anyone in the comments has a, a thought on it. That's really it. I know that we said we'd talk about it, but there's not really much to talk about. I said to you, like, I did watch it. It sounds like I didn't watch it, but I did. And then I was pretty much like, yeah, that was boring. And I don't really remember any of it. So, yeah. So I watched the debate live. Maybe he's, maybe he's tired. I don't know. Yeah. You know, 
he's running around, he's getting yeah. indicted all the time. Right. That's, I mean, that's, I wouldn't know from experience, but that would be a lot of pressure. Like he knew he was, you know, turning himself in within a few days. And, um, but I also wonder if someone, is he finally listening to someone? Like, is someone telling him you got to tone it down and now he's listening? Maybe. I know that's always been a big criticism. It's like a double-edged sword with Trump. Like some people love him because he's that firebrand who goes after people. Um, but then like when they look at like suburban voters, which he lost a lot of in the 2020 election, uh, they say like, hey, you know, tone it down a little bit, be a little bit quieter or not so inflammatory. Um, he did talk about crooked Hillary. Oh, oh my fear was he talked about how bad Biden looked on the beach. That was pretty funny. And he's like, this isn't what presidents do. Presidents, it's just the beach is, is not what, it doesn't look very presidential. You should be leading a country, not sitting on a beach with your skinny legs. Very skinny legs, very awful. He, he can't lift a chair. He talked about, those chairs, Tucker, those chairs are made to be light. And they're not. And, I do remember that. And, and Biden, he can't pick up a chair. That's how weak he is. He's a weak man. He can't pick up beach chairs. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't think I walked away from it going, damn, he's the candidate. He's the guy. So I don't know how much pushback we're going to get for that comment, but I'm sure people will disagree. Hey, but that's the point of this. You can disagree with us if you want. Um, that's all I have to really say about the Tucker <laughs> Trump interview. There's not really much else to say. I, it sounds like kind of a deflating thing to end the whole podcast on, but there really wasn't much to say. I, I had a question for you. Okay. Yeah, be scared. Um, and you probably won't answer. If you were voting today mm -hmm. for president based on only the people on the stage of the debate, who do you think you would be voting for? If I had. Based only on the debate. Yes, if you had to, one person on stage. Like, I can't abstain from debate. voting. No. I can't be like, none of these choices are good. Yeah, you don't even get to write in someone. Uh, probably Vivek. Okay. I think Vivek is the Molotov cocktail that we could throw into DC and kind of rattle, rattle some cages. Um, yeah. If I had to, if I had to vote for one of them on that stage, okay. Same question to you. If you had to vote for one of them on stage, and you can't say Asa Hutchinson, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> Do I get to say Doug? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So, I think I'd be torn between DeSantis and, and Vivek. Okay. Um. I am never going to cheerlead for a candidate again. I have learned my lesson <laughs> from 21 to 2022. I'll vote, but I am, I am never going to cheerlead for them again. Too many, too many have burned me. Um, they both, I do worry about Vivek's inexperience, mm -hmm. but I, I know he has business experience, but that's not, political experience and this is this is not a local office yeah but at the same time i didn't like angry desantis 
I did. I don't want. I don't want more wars. Who knows at what point they're going to like impose a draft again. And as a mom of teenagers, you know, almost 18, almost 16, like coming up here. And I'm not, that's, I know that's like an extreme road to go down, but you hear them talk about it every so often. And I just think those are my babies. No more wars. Yeah. So, so, so if I could take pieces of each. No, you can't. But you have to pick one. On that note, DeSantis and Vivek, I love you. Come on the show. Yeah. Open invitation if you guys want to come on. Um, I was going to say, uh, this is the right podcast if you don't want to endorse any candidate because my policy is I never endorse any candidate because it's not it's not my job to tell you who to vote for. It's my job to... That's why I asked based purely on who was on stage that night because obviously there were several not on stage. Right. Um, so I guess the question could have been who won the debate. I don't know. I mean, president, I, I don't think any presidential candidate is looking at me going, boy, I hope I get his endorsement. That's what's going to put me over the top. Um, But any, any fan of the show knows that I don't endorse anybody, but yeah, Vivek would probably be it. I think he's the most interesting. He's the one I've, I've heard the most of because he's just ended up on podcasts that I listen to. Um, Not because I've sought him out just because the podcast that I have in rotation, he's ended up on these podcasts. um, And I like what he's had to say. Um, one more comment from the chat section it says businessman needs to run the country. Look at Trump. It's refreshing. People want that. Yeah. I think that's what people are looking for. They, I think Vivek nailed it when he said career politicians have got us where we are and career politicians aren't going to get us out of it. So um, I think he nails it. But with that said, uh, yeah, entertaining debate. I look forward to the next one. Um, probably won't be able to, do a live stream watch party because Fox news hates people. Um, yeah. Somebody commented. I'm just sad about Dave Smith, not running. I'm sad about Dave Smith, not running either. Um, I heard that through the grapevine. So I think I actually heard that from you, Kara. So, uh, Dave Smith is my favorite podcaster. So if you guys don't know who he is anyway, Dave Smith, if you ever want to come on the show, I would be honored to have you on my show. Uh, or if I can go on your show, that'd be cool too. Anyway, uh, like I said, we're doubling up this week. So if you're tuning in, we'll be back on Thursday at 8 p.m. for a very spicy episode. We're going to be talking about lockdowns uh, and whether 2020 style lockdowns are coming back. Is it all just fear porn? Is it clickbait? Um, we're going to discuss. So I'll save my opinions for that episode. Anything else you want to say to finish out the episode, Camille? I'm good. I'm good. That's a good way to end it. Um, So thanks for tuning in, everybody, as I end every episode. If you want to support the show, make sure you like, share, hit the notification bell, comment on the video afterwards. It helps with the algorithm. Um, And most importantly, share with a friend, share with a family, share with a coworker, colleague, all that stuff. Um, And yeah, we'll uh, see you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 